everyone and welcome to this, our second podcast in our Perspectives, Diversity and Pension series. I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by Tracy Blackwell, CEO of Pension Insurance Corporation, PLC. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, Sam. Tracy is one of PIC's founders and she's been CEO of the organisation since 2015. But before that, she was Chief Investment Officer for a number of years. Uh, in addition to her role at at, at PIC, Tracy is on the Wellcome Trust Investment Committee. She's a trustee of the Elton John AIDS Foundation and importantly for today's purposes, she's also on the advisory council for the Diversity Project. So lots of perspectives to bring to our discussion. We have built this uh, podcast as a discussion around um, the purpose of finance and we did that because Tracy has a particular interest in that field and she's been instrumental in the Purpose of Finance project that PIC kickstarted a number of years ago um, and which has become a talking point in the both pensions and wider finance industry. So Tracy, could we start there? Could you tell us a bit more about the Purpose of Finance project and why it's so important to you? Yeah, um, we, you know, we started the Purpose of Finance project a few years ago um, because we felt that we had a voice uh, that might resonate where we wanted to look at what the finance industry could do to support society in a better way. And we really wanted to approach it from a position of support and thinking about how, you know, with all the narrative out there about um, bankers and the financial crisis and all the things that have happened, um, how can the finance industry really show that it is supporting society and do better at, at what it should be doing? And we batted around lots of different things and we couldn't quite figure out how we wanted to approach it. And with two academics, we um, happened upon the idea of, well, well, let's go back to what is the purpose of the finance industry? Why is it there? Um, when a lot of the research that comes out of, of opinion polls and, and focus groups talk about how the finance industry is only there to make money for itself, we felt it was really important, not, not just not just for the finance industry, but for all the people who work in it, to know that that what they're doing is really important. It is fundamental to society. Uh, but there's some other stuff that goes on that perhaps isn't as purposeful as as one would like. So so we really set about to to step back and say, well, what is the finance industry there for? Um, and amazingly, throughout all of this, and and when we started this, all of our research. Nobody had ever asked the question before. We could find nothing in academic literature that really talked about what the finance industry is there for. So that was kind of the starting point, and it's kind of it's just grown from there, really. And and I, I suppose if thinking about it from your perspective, looking at a whole industry, um, PIC is of course a big player in the pensions or defined benefit pension sector of the finance industry. I suppose as part of this, you must have given thought to what PIC's purpose was. And how, what were those discussions or what, what do you think your conclusions were from that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the funny thing about PIC is we, we straddled two industries, really. Uh, we, of course, look after um, and our customers are defined benefit pension scheme trustees um, as a starter. But then but then those members become our policyholders. Mm. So um, so and and policyholders as in insurance company. So we're an insurance company that is also very involved in DB pensions. Mm. So we've we've been very clear about what our purpose is from kind of from the get go, and that is uh, to to ensure that we pay the pensions of our current and future policyholders, um, and that really grounds um, 
everything we do and the discussions we have and, and when we're thinking about strategy, that really is what we're about. And it gives a very clear focus overall um, and, and helps the messaging um, internally and externally. I'm interested you, you say that about the messaging internally, because I, I noticed in the uh, in your introduction to the Purpose of Finance report that you talk about PIC having a very strong culture and that when you looked at it, you concluded that, that the culture came from, at least in part, the fact that you have a strong sense of purpose. Um, I'm interested in, in that interplay. What, why do you think that purpose, having strong sense of purpose, leads to strong culture? Because I suspect a lot of organisations in any sector start with the idea of culture without having questioned themselves on their purpose first. Yeah, absolutely. And throughout, you know, as as we went along this purpose journey overall, um, when we were doing the purpose of finance project, it became very clear to me that all of the all of the discussions, all the rhetoric, all of the all of the stuff that say the regulator was talking about, whether it be the PRA or FCA, start, it started with you know a culture needs to change, but a culture doesn't come out of a vacuum. A culture comes from knowing why you're doing what you're doing. So I, the way I think about it is um, the, the culture is the how you do something, but you can't do the how until you have the why and the purpose is about why you're doing something. And and I, th I suppose we're very fortunate. I um, mean, it's probably easier for us to, to define our culture because um, we are directly in contact with our, our end customers, our policyholders. Um, and so it is very easy to see um, who we're working for um, in other sectors in the finance industry. I think that's a little bit harder, to be honest, uh, because there's so many agents in the middle of, of a chain um, when it comes to investments and so on. Uh, but but um, it very much has um, allowed us to um, to to define our culture then uh, because we knew what we were what we were there for, basically. And, and how do you think that um, the strength of your culture, which I certainly, you know, as an advisor, I certainly pick up from, um, you know, your teams that I deal with regularly. I've got a, a good feel for that myself. But how do you think that plays out for your um, for your policyholders? Do you think do you think they would recognize you as having a culture that perhaps is um, I'm not going to say better or worse, but different from perhaps some of the other players in the field? Yeah, I know they do. Um, you know, we uh, so so we have lots of opportunities to interact with our policyholders, which is is something that probably most financial service providers might not be able to say. And um, we, except for this year, obviously, we had uh, we we every year we have our policyholder days where we have all of our policyholders. We write to all the ones around a specific area. We usually do three or four um, places in the UK. We uh, invite them to come and see us for a day. We have um, speakers for them, charities there. We talk to them about um, how we're managing um, their pensions. Um, and, uh, and and we actually get to meet them and we get feedback from them. This year we had to do it all virtually, of course. We did a policyholder hour rather than a policyholder day. <laughs> um, oh, well, <laughs> um, it was a good addition to the mix. Um, but but they really do feel that um, that that we are listening to them, um, mm. and I think that's really important. Um, I think the other way that that we know that our policyholders are um, value all of this is our we are uh, our Institute of Customer Service, um, um, not just awards but also our membership. 
where um, we have um, Institute of Customer Service accreditation um, with distinction, one of only, I think, 13 companies in the country to have done that. And that comes from, you know, this very long and involved process and all of that. But it involves um, our uh, uh, the Institute of Customer Service actually talking to our customers. So um, I think I think the feedback we get is they very much our policyholders really really do uh, value um, mm-hmm. uh, us making that extra effort um, mm-hmm. and and putting them at the heart of what we do. And and I suppose thinking about those customers, I suppose brings me. I was going to say neatly, but in a in a slightly tangential way, onto perhaps thinking about diversity a bit because you will undoubtedly have an exceedingly broad range of um, of policyholders, people from all kinds of backgrounds, with all kinds of interests, different levels of income, etc. And and plainly, the way that you are communicating with them is is hitting the right note, you know, in a variety of different ways. Um, and and often, you know, we often think in professional services, oh, we need to try and you know, we, we need to try and match our our clients or our, you know, the people that we're dealing with, we need to try and, you know, if they're diverse, we need to be diverse. And you, you have said, um, I think in the in the past, and forgive me, I can't now remember where, but I think you've commented that some organisations, particularly in the financial services sector, um, which lack purpose, also can struggle with diversity, which is not a, a challenge as I as I understand it for pick. But why do you why do you think that is? And and do you think that it's all forms of diversity or there are some areas that are more acute with, than others when, when there's a sort of lack of purpose? Oh, I think, yeah, it's uh, that's a hard question, I think, um, as I can't speak for other, other firms. But I, think, <laughs> but, but, but I have worked for other financial services firms, so I have a pretty good idea of what that looks like. Um, I, you know, I think the most important um, bit of diversity of, is diversity of thought. Yeah. And um, if you, you know, having very single-minded or one-track approaches to thinking about, especially in the world we're in now, thinking about things, I think is very, very dangerous. And so I don't think it's as much about matching the diversity of, of your audience or your customers. It's It's about understanding how to get better how to get better thought um, and thought leadership into what you're doing. And so you really do need a mix of a mix of views to be able to do that, because, uh, again, especially in the world we're living in right now, um, I think that is absolutely crucial. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, so just one one last question um, about probably again about pick as an organization. Um, how do you you know organizationally encourage or how do you encourage you know, I suppose recruitment of people who have diverse ways of thinking and um, you know do come from from diverse backgrounds because you know I think there is a risk, particularly well my experience in the in the DB pensions world as opposed to perhaps the insurance world is that pensions is often looked at and thought of as as a sort of white male and a bit stale industry, um, which is certainly not the image that that pick presents and so i'd be interested just to know briefly what what you do as an an organization to um to encourage diversity well we uh so you know we do have a number of different types of people in the organization so you know we do have a lot of actuaries as an example and um funny enough actuarials as students um and actuaries in general are a pretty diverse bunch more or less the one place where they have fallen down in diversity um, historically has been gender 
um, you know, to even like 20 years ago, I think 5%, something 5% to 10% of actual graduates were female. So that that is hugely improved um, mm. over the last 20 years or so. Um, but we wanted to help with that. So we launched something called the Actuarial Mentoring Program which was a cross-company mentoring program. So we just helped facilitate the whole thing in the Institute and Faculty of Actuary sat in the middle. And um, it's a cross-company mentoring program. So we've got something like 29 companies involved and it's mentoring, um, uh, you know, mentors from companies, uh, mentoring um, uh, females and that's expanded now to, to um, uh, mentoring from other companies, um, which, which is, has been brilliant actually. Yeah. Um, and and it just allows people, I think, to have, again, it comes to the diversity of thought. If you're all in, in the same company, you know, it's slightly it's it's slightly like a, a, a loop. You know, it's a closed shop. You don't actually get any any new yeah. ideas, whereas actually with this cross mentoring um, program, you get lots of different ideas from lots of different companies. And I think that's really, really valuable. So we've done that um, uh, when, you know, we've got the usual from a, a female perspective. Uh, we have um, we uh, require headhunters to have thirty percent uh, female um, uh, females on the list, um, and and various things like that. Yeah. Uh, I, we don't we don't actually have a problem with ethnic diversity. Um, that's pretty good. So um, you know we're funny enough. Um, when I think about the the people we get from an actuarial perspective and the people we get, say, our other largest department is really investments, they're really incredibly different types of people, funnily enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and so you very much get diversity of thought. Um, and and then we're working on the areas where we think, you know, especially from a from a gender perspective, where yeah. where we probably could could do better. But that's a you know my view on this is and always has been that it's a pipeline problem. And, uh, you know, you need to start at the very beginning and, and get women into um, the, the financial services industry and more importantly, keep them there, which is uh, which is a lot of what our actual mentoring program was really about. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, at the risk of pandering to you, Tracy, I, I can't help but think that there will be students coming through who see women like you in your position who um, find that inspiring and make them want to come into the industry. But um, well, I hope so. as you say, <laughs> let's hope they stay. Absolutely. It's the stain that's the trick. <laughs> Indeed. Um, we've, we've run out of time and that has been such a canter, but thank you so much. Um, Delighted. It's been very interesting and significant food for thought. And I imagine there will be a number of listeners who wish that they could say that they looked around their organisations and didn't have such an issue with diversity. Um, <laughs> and culture. And culture. I think that has given us quite a lot to think about. So thank you very much indeed. Absolutely. Delighted.